Jam Session is a podcast where two guys who grew up in Dallas-Fort Worth discuss sports, craft beer, life, and their experiences living in one of America's most vibrant cities. If you love sports, you're going to love this show. If you love craft beer or you're curious about it, you'll love this show. Great conversations with good friends is what Jam Session is all about. Welcome. It's nice to have you here. I hope you enjoy it. I think you will. You're listening to the Jam Session Podcast. I was told that I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume. With Cowboys insider... What's your name? Jean-Jacques Taylor. That's my name. Radio personality and craft beer expert, Matt McLaren. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. Comes from upbringing. And now, the Jam Session Podcast. It is indeed Jam Session. Subscribe, rate, review, hang out with us for a while. Right here on the Jam Session Podcast. Sponsored as always by Greening Law. A personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you have time for healing and renewal. But right now, that moment we've all been waiting for has arrived. Ladies and gentlemen, the radio, the TV, the podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. What up, Doc? I would be the non-sexy one. It's Matt McLaren, and this is Jam Session, the podcast, version 291, asking simply that you prepare to be dazzled. If not entertained. Oh, are we going to be dazzled and entertained today? Because Jerry Jones spoke, and that will <laughs> always entertain you. It's probably why he opens his mouth. We've got... Fort Worth Star Telegram, Cowboys beat writer Clarence Hill Jr. is going to jump on this episode of the podcast, the very latest from inside the star and what's happening out there as they prepare for the New York Giants coming up on Monday night. But before we jump into that, Greening Law, man, I mean, these guys, many of you are well aware, I've been working with them for about 15 months now, the green team, the attorneys over there at Greening Law, if you've been hurt in a car accident or on the premises of a business, some of those types of things, and you feel like you've got a case, you need to give them a call because they consistently and continually just blow my mind in a sense, I guess because it may, I'm sure a lot of lawyers are like this, I don't know. But Greening Law, I mean, they email me fairly often. How you feeling? How's the back doing? I remember you said you had another procedure coming up. How are you responding to that? How do you feel? I mean, just stuff like that, man, that they don't have to do that. But they do that, keeping track of what's going on, and, and it, they take care of all the stuff behind the scenes for you. Because even 15 months later, I was just telling Jacques this, I had another injection on Wednesday, and my body, they, they kind of up the medicine. They're trying to hit it a little different. My body is just like, woo, that kind of took it out of me, man. And I don't have to worry about scheduling follow-ups and doing all this stuff because greening handles everything. They take care of that so that you can focus on healing and renewal. And, dude, that's why we keep telling you, if you're ever involved in an accident, an 18-wheeler, personal accident, you know, something happens to you at a grocery store, business or somewhere, apartment complex, just pick up the phone and call the number. You should know it by now, but in case you don't, 972-934-8900. You tell Grinning Law, hey, it's me. Here's my situation. What do you think? They bring you on for a client. I'm telling you, weight off your shoulders. Here's why. They walk you through what Mattis told you is this really tedious, kind of complicated process. Who don't want somebody holding their hand through that? And they don't get paid unless you get paid. That's why I rock with them. It's very easy to get a hold of them, guys. They're local right there in the DFW area. 972-934-8900. It's Robert Greening. That consultation's absolutely free. Call them now. Offices, Dallas, Texas. 
Jerry Jones, he, if nothing else, if nothing else, and maybe we hate that he's the general manager and maybe some Cowboys fans even wish he wasn't the owner anymore and the frustrations that we point out. I think that collectively we can all agree this dude is a brilliant man of marketing. Oh, hell yeah. I mean, absolutely genius, keeping the Cowboys at the forefront of the conversation. There is a reason why a franchise that hasn't sniffed a Super Bowl coming up in 27 years, that hasn't even made the final four of their league, that has more in common with Detroit and Washington, who you never hear about, than they do the other teams of prominence, is constantly maxed out on their primetime games, is constantly all over the talk shows, has multiple podcasts and radio shows and guys that make a living covering this team because Jerry Jones keeps them at the forefront of your mind. And he did it again today. No, he's always got something, bro. Always. Just when you think he doesn't. And uh, he comes up with something. And now he's being even more creative with the mere suggestion that Cooper Rush might be able to take uh, Dak's job. And it's very, very strange. And we've got the audio here as the reporters gathered around Jerry Jones today. And he wanted to let you know that he hopes, he is hoping for a quarterback controversy. Here's the first part of what Jerry had to say. Wouldn't it be something if the same thing happened and you, uh, this is the way I think. And uh, Tony was ready to go and ready to get in the game. And there you had Prescott ready to go. Which one's going against Green Bay? Okay, wouldn't it be something if you had a dilemma as to uh, which way you go? You do that if he gets 10 wins. Same thing that happened with Prescott. I think like that. If he comes in here and played as well as Prescott played, Rush played that well over these next games ahead, I'd walk New York to get there. (laughs) Do you you think he can do that? Uh, Well, I don't know that, but uh, uh, I've... I would, uh, you can't find on record where I said I thought Dak Prescott could do it when he had the, when he stepped in and had the chance to do that. Very interesting comments. Just right there, comparing Dak to the Romo situation with Cooper Rush and this whole, this whole idea of, oh yeah, I mean, I, I want that to happen. When we were told, one, that Cooper Rush was probably only going to have to be the backup for maybe three, four games max, trying to compare that to a team that went whatever it was 10 straight before they lost with Dak back when Dak was a fourth round rookie who you had no idea what his ceiling can be and you're hoping that a guy that keep I mean Cooper Rush is not a stranger to the Cowboys organization Cooper Rush has been in the league since the year after Dak since 2017 Cooper Rush has been in this league He has appeared already in 12 games. You kind of have an idea because you've seen him for multiple seasons and trying to act like that guy is going to come in and do something like what Dak did when you didn't know what you had in Dak is absurd to me. Oh, I think it is. I think it, uh, I mean, the fact that you put Cooper Rush on waivers three weeks ago. Right. In part. You wanted him back, but you knew nobody else would claim him. Tells you a little bit about it, man. You know, I, I think anybody who wants the Cowboys to win uh, is good for business when the Cowboys win. I don't mind if they win. Uh, it's much more interesting when they're winners than when they're losing. Um, I'd love for Cooper Rush to prove me wrong and, and do what Jerry says and play so well that you at least have to have a conversation about, wow, 
man, remember when Dak did this to Romo? But, I mean, I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, and so for him to throw it out there, he's got everybody talking about him and his Cowboys in addition to the game. He does, and, and you take those comments and you, you make of them what you will, but here's the rest of what he had to say about this whole situation. Well, of course we want uh, uh, Dak uh, uh, to be here next week. That's the, that's the thing, you do. Uh, but uh, Dak and I want uh, Rush to lead a team to a victory here and get another win and get another win, and that's the only way to look at it. Looking back when Dak was playing instead of Tony, it was game by game. It wasn't the long look we had after two months to look back. It was actually play by play, almost series by series. So, so do I think that it's possible for Rush to come in here and play at a level to win games the way Prescott did uh, when he took over for Romo? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. I certainly think that's possible. But is it possible that Cooper could play well enough that when Dak's ready to go, Dak won't go because Cooper's played so well? Well, it was impossible, ostensibly, that Rush could, I mean, that uh, Prescott could play that well and keep uh, Romo out of the championship game. I mean, what are we saying here? Do you think it's possible that Rush could, no, you don't. The guy's been in the league for five years, six years. This is his sixth year in the NFL. We, we already know what he is. Right, we already know what he is. You don't think it's possible that he could do that. If you did, you never would have signed Dak to the contract you signed him to. No, nah, you, you just spent half of that on Cooper Rush and let him ride with it. I mean, this is so, but, totally different than the Romo situation. But, bro, you know what he does. He told us what he does. One plus one equals what? Three. Three. I mean, hell, he could have and said so, 408. I mean, what difference does it make? And so, dog, anytime he says something that you deem absurd, you just have to uh, remember that's what he's doing. I, I know that it is. And, and, and it's, it I, don't, it's like delusions of grandeur. They don't, you know. I know. I know. And, and we all understand that. But, like, I mean, it, it's one thing to say, oh, I hope. I'm, I'm hopeful for it. But, I, oh, yeah, for sure. I can see that. Ha- no, you can't see that happening. And, uh, again, one – you gave Tony Romo a contract before you knew that Dak Prescott even existed and what he could be about. You had Tony Romo, who the year before Dak was a rookie, why'd you guys want a quarterback? Because Tony Romo had just missed pretty much the bulk of the 2015 season. You were going to take a quarterback in the first round because you knew Romo was at the end of his career. You knew that because Romo was 36 years old. Dak's 29. You gave Dak Prescott that monster contract with Cooper Rush already a part of the organization because you looked at Rush and you're like, well, that dude's not it. <laughs> so I get awesome. Now first take and Stephen A. Smith, they're going to have a field day with this and people will go ballistic because the Cowboys moved the needle. But this is just absolutely absurd. Oh, no, it is, bro. It, uh, you know, you know, now. It'll go one of two ways based on this week because he'll probably either play really well or he'll play poorly. And then the storyline will become more one way or the other because, you know, we end up living in this world of extremists when we're dealing with the Cowboys, especially Jerry Jones. Yeah. But, uh, you know, man, Jerry says a lot of stuff. Most of it's funny these days. And uh, I, I chalk that up to the funniness. 
Well, it, and I kind of would imagine that Dak just kind of laughed at this too. And, and as a matter of fact, Ed Werder put this on Twitter. He asked Zeke Elliott about this, and Zeke just said, he want you all to be clicking and listening too. It's all marketing. It's all marketing. <laughs> That's from Zeke. That's a direct quote from Zeke. And to his point, not long after that, Ed Werder tweeted out, coming up on NFL Live from the Star, I'll interpret the comments Cowboys owner Jerry Jones made. Because I would guarantee you NFL Live on ESPN this afternoon led with this story. Oh, every newscast in town led their sports station with it. Incredible. Because what if it did? What if it did? I mean, what if, Jacques? What if? Dude, what if Cooper Rush in his sixth year in the NFL randomly became a high-quality quarterback? And everything we've seen from Cooper Rush the previous five years of his career, that all of these NFL teams and all of their scouts that have seen this guy for five seasons, so much so that when they could have had him for free when he was just sitting out there waiting for the season to start because he wasn't on the roster, they all looked at him and said, nah, I'd rather, I'd feel bad if we took him for the Cowboys for free. He, he'll be amazing <laughs> if Dak gets hurt, and then we can trade a couple of firsts for him. No, I don't think it went down like that. I mean, my God. <laughs> I'm just saying, it's, it's, it's absurd. The other thing I wanted to get into, and, and we had a conversation about Micah Parsons the other day and, and just his dominance and where this guy could be. I thought this was really interesting because Andrew Whitworth was on the Lindsey Rhodes show, which is, for those of you that don't know, Lindsey Rhodes uh, is on Sirius XM and does a bunch of stuff around the NFL and whatnot. Andrew Whitworth offered some praise for Micah Parsons saying this, basically pointing out, Micah Parsons, I'll tell you, I've obviously faced a ton of rushers in my career, 250 games playing in the NFL, 17,000 snaps. I've played some guys from every era. I've played in three different decades. I faced Mark, Micah Parsons in one snap, and he didn't win the rep or anything like that. I literally immediately told him, I said, man, you're going to be something real special. And he said, and this was back when they were practicing, I think, together. And he said, Micah asked him about it afterwards. Like, what made you say that I'm going to be special? He said, we were talking ball and doing some things. He said, you can feel the way a guy is. He said, like, a, a receiver that knows how to separate, you can just feel when a guy rushes that this guy knows how to rush. And he talked about how you don't know exactly how he's going to try to beat you because he does so many different things well that he has that ability to be able to do that, which is really what sets him apart. He's a feel rusher. He doesn't have a planned move. He feels what he's doing. Oh, that means he's going to be dangerous, bro, because he's making that shit up as he goes. Man, and, and so, and again, Andrew Whitworth, I mean, pointing, he's like, look, before you guys think of what I'm about to say, I played for 17,000 snaps, 250 games in the NFL. I know what the hell I'm talking about. I think he's talking about, um, <clears throat> you know, like most pass rushers say, if you go, and somebody told me this a couple weeks ago. Uh, said, look at the uh, when the Rams played the Bills. Look at Von Miller's first pass rush. He went outside speed rush and almost beat the tackle. So on the second pass rush, the tackle set up outside. Von Miller bull rushed him. And the guy was saying, see, he had a counter move to what the other guy was trying to do. That's what you have to see. But he was also talking about just the natural feel of how some guys do it. And he said, some guys have moves and a counter move and a counter for your counter. He said, and then some guys are so good 
that they don't even know what they're doing until they engage a tackle and then they instantly mm. counter whatever he's doing. You know, he goes, but so few people can do it. It, it doesn't even, it's not even worth talking about. Yeah, and, and that's just another one of those things about how rare that is for somebody of, of that level. And, and again, only a year and two games into his career, it, it, you hope that everything plays out okay, injuries, and it, really more so than anything. But injury-free, you just kind of wonder, are, are, and I mentioned this the other day, it's hard to not let your mind – we did it with Luca, his rookie season. I mean, you see a guy that you're like, oh, my God. Like, this guy is doing things we don't see here, ever. And that's what makes him special. I mean, this isn't Leighton Vanderash, guys. Like, this this isn't, oh, Leighton had a great rookie season. Not like what Micah's doing. Nowhere near what Micah's doing. No, but, you know, he had a hell of a rookie year. Not, he did, but not on this level, man. Not what, what we've not seen. That. And the fact that, I mean, already in two games, Micah's followed it up. Leighton never did that his second year. No, and yeah, that's, I was getting to that. So to me, that's you know that's why you, I was hesitant about like we got to see some longevity, because I look. I don't know if I told you this, bro. I hope I didn't. I went. I, I went back and looked. Uh, I accidentally stumbled across something when I was looking up something else, and it was a tweet I think, or a story I can't remember. It was a f- uh, few weeks ago. I compared Julius Jones to Emmett Smith. After he had like three hundred and forty yard games in a row, yeah, and I and and in hindsight I go, what the hell were you doing? And so, I'm not that bad these days, but I try not to be a prisoner of the moment and try to set up the proper expectation. But, dude, Michael Parsons, much like Luca, that's a really good comparison in terms of instantly you feel like, oh, this dude ain't just good; he's special. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. I mean, and, and again, there are certain generational players that come along every so often, and, and we are used to seeing them with other franchises, it feels like, especially on the defensive side of the ball. But why not the Cowboys? It, it, why not the Mavs with Luka Doncic, where you just see that guy and you're like, my God. I mean, th- this dude is seeing things, and it, it, it's almost similar to me. Like, the vision that Micah has and his ability, his instinct to – kind of like Andrew Witt was said, to feel what's going to work and where things are going. It's almost as if he's in the matrix and he's seeing the game in a slower pace than anybody else is actually playing it at. It's that, and Micah has it, Luca has it. You know, we, we've also talked about uh, Heskinen, you know, with the Stars being yeah. similar in that category. Um, and it's, it's really great for young talent around here. But... Um, you know, man, it's also, I think, having a charisma and a flair. And I think that's, you know, what people talk about when they say outside of maybe Dion, he's the most exciting player. Like DeMarcus Ware was coolly efficient, but he wasn't dynamic in the way he did it or fl- or had flair with it, the way Michael Parsons seems to have. And even at a young age, man, he understands the camera. He understands, you know, there's just a charisma about him that adds to him. Much like Luca has this charisma about him that adds to his superstar stuff. He does. Now, he didn't practice today, so I'm sure many of you are aware of that. He has cold symptoms like nasal congestion. He's been tested for COVID. It was negative. He is, it's not expected to affect him whatsoever for the game on Monday night. He's going to be fine for Monday night. 
So the other news coming out, and we talked about this, and we were literally recording the podcast the other day when they announced the news that they had waived Dennis Houston. Shockingly, he was not claimed, and he is now back on the Cowboys practice squad. So all is well for the big Dennis Houston fans. If they so needed him, they would have the option. If they needed to, they could call him up from the practice squad. Uh, yeah, I think, um, you know, I mean, they did they did what was going to happen once he didn't contribute the first two games. They liked him, and they hoped they can develop him. But, yeah, we got to get somebody up here and do more than you do, bro, because I think you had three targets and one catch in two games. Yes, that's true. So we'll see. It's also interesting, Monday Night Football, and we got to figure this out. I don't know. I don't know that we'll have a podcast to record on Sunday because we'll just wait till after the game on Monday and drop it on Tuesday, don't you think? Yeah, I kind of figured that's what we'd do. Yeah, that, that's what I figured too. So that we won't have a podcast available for you on Monday. So just make a note of that because we will have it available for you on Tuesday. As always, right after the Cowboys game, Monday night, we're going to record our thoughts on whatever happens. And then we will jump on or drop that off for you guys probably right around midnight, maybe a little after midnight technically Tuesday morning, but technically, you know, I like to say Monday night after the Cowboys game. So we'll just do that. Just be aware of that, everybody who listens, that when you wake up on Monday, you won't have a podcast because we're going to wait, which means you will get one Tuesday and Wednesday next week. How exciting for everyone, huh? Back-to-back days of podcasting. How about this random stat about the Giants, by the way? If the Giants win on Monday night football against the Cowboys... They will be undefeated in the month of September for the first time since 2009. Now, it's kind of quirky because they've only got three games in the month of September because the way that the weekend falls, that next game, their fourth game of the year, would technically be on, what is that, October 2nd? But what do you think, when we turn our attentions to the game, Monday night, these are two teams that are going to want to run the ball at each other. I think the Cowboys have a better defense than the Giants. It's funny because we, oh, I mean, come on. I mean, who are their receivers? Who are the Cowboys receivers? CD Lamb. <laughs> the Giants aren't using Kenny Galladay. He's all pissed off about that. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not sure that Daniel Jones is not much better than Cooper Rush. I mean, just because he was a first round pick, Daniel Jones is just a guy to me. Kind of like Cooper Rush is just a guy. This is an interesting game. I feel like the Cowboys. You know, Saquon's going to be able to run. He's always capable of exploding that weird-ass 59-yard touchdown run. (laughs) I don't know, man. This is one of those, I think it's a low-scoring game. I actually think the Cowboys are going to win. Well, I can't say I'm riding with you on this one, partner. I'm taking the Cowboys 17-14. to Okay, we're we're in the ballpark. Okay. The Giants winning 16-13. Dang. Because I think it's, uh, you know, man, it's just... You just, um, I just want to see more from an offense that still hasn't really done much. Because the reality is they scored in the first two drives of the game, then didn't score another touchdown. Yeah. Um, And so they were able to play from ahead and, you know, everything, a lot of things went in their favor. And that's cool. There's no problem with that. But now can Cooper Rush take that on the road against a team that's similar to the Cowboys? So, I mean, I think it's a tight fit. Wouldn't surprise me at all if they won. I'm just not picking them on the road with Cooper Rush. That's all. Yeah, and it's interesting because they ran all over Tennessee. But they're one of the worst passing teams in the league through two weeks. I mean, they had 156 on Tennessee, 162 on Carolina. 
and they only had 265 total yards against Carolina last week. They, they beat the Titans 21 to 20. They beat the Panthers 19 to 16. And I, I guess for me, I just look at that and I don't know. We'll see. I mean, again, Saquon Barkley is in his first two games of the season, averaging 6.1 yards in attempt. But these receivers, man, and I, I know people are looking at the Cowboys the same way. I mean, CeeDee Lamb would be hands down the Giants' number one receiver. It's not even close. But you look at some of these other guys, Kadarius Toney, who's eh, Richie James, Sterling Shepard, David Sills, Kenny Galladay, who's not getting any time, the rookie Wandell Robinson out of Kentucky. So I don't know, man. They, they much like the Cowboys' offense, there is a lot lacking on this Giants' offense. Well, yeah, and I, I like – Here's my deal, man. I, I see them much more um, taking the Tampa Bay route, which is you just pound, mm. you know, Saquon Barkley instead of Leonard Fournette. And, uh, you know, I think what did Fournette end up with? 120-something yards on 27 carries, 6.1 average. Do a lot of running at uh, Tavon Diggs and see if he wants to tackle today. And if they can't stop that, even a guy like Daniel Jones can beat you. It's just kind of like you're saying, the same formula. The Cowboys just going to use in reverse. Yeah, so we'll see. You've got the Giants winning. I've got the Cowboys winning, but both. I mean, we're essentially, you know, a field goal difference there. It, it, I, we'll see. It'd be something. I mean, if they lose this game at 1-2 and two to the Giants, the Giants are 3-0. and oh. Can you imagine that? My God. And then you got a Washington team that, that's got a, a little bit more weapons this year, and that's a whole different beast before you got to play the Rams. No. So, I mean, this I wrote a piece for, a, uh, for somebody this week who wanted me to look ahead to the season. And I was less like, you know, I don't know how long Dak is out, as much as six games. But after week two, I see ways they could win. And look at the schedule, man. Outside of kind of the Rams and Philly, you should be able to, you know, compete and maybe win those those other four, right? You would think so. Yeah, I would yeah. agree. Right? And so, you know, can Cooper Rush keep him in a hunt? That'll can be the do? case. That'll be the case. And, ah, dude, I just don't believe yet, man. I just, I just don't believe yet. And that's a fair point. It is still Cooper Rush. And at some point, some of those passes he threw last week are going to get picked sixth. We'll see. I can promise you this, though. If you need something that will make you feel better, just go to BruceBiltong.com. Jump online, B-R-U-S-B-I-L-T-O-N-G.com. It's similar to beef jerky, but it isn't beef jerky. It's an air-dried South African meat, and it's very, very good. Jacques and I both are big fans of it. We, I had never heard of Biltong in my life until he started working with us on the podcast, and I was like, okay, well, let me try it. And they they sent a bag for us to try. And I was like, holy crap, this is good. Like, people need to know about this. Like, I wish uh, I had known about it years ago. <laughs> I got down on the slice build tongue. Um, we not refer, or at least I refer to it as, uh, you know, butt strips. Because it comes from that soft, succulent part of the animal. Mm. Then they dry it out into a strip. <laughs> there you go. Uh, but no, Unreal Man is great. 230 calories, 30 grams of protein, two-ounce pouch. I really rock with sliced biltong. That's, that, that's the go-to for me. Uh, you can't get a better snack than that, bro. No, and man. it tastes great. It does. It's actually really good. It's tender, very easy to chew, and it's got great flavor on it. If you like beef jerky, you will absolutely love bruised biltong. 
Brews Bill Tongue. 15% off with the promo code JAM15 at checkout. Your first time ever ordering it at works, your 10th time ever, it doesn't matter. He has that promo code for all of our listeners all the time at BrewsBillTongue.com. Also making the podcast possible, JR, his guys over there at Freeway Tire Shop. That's where Jacques takes all his cars. We've had many of you that listen that have experienced it as well that reach out and go, man, I thought you guys were just kind of pumping it up. And then I, I, I can't say enough about this guy. The best experience I've ever had at a mechanic shop. It's not just us. It's everybody that goes there. And if you haven't been, go and you'll tweet or message us and say the same thing. <laughs> That's because JR is great, man. He learned uh, customer service from Home Depot uh, when he worked over there in the management program. He, he taught that to his people, his employees. Uh, they do a great job. Doesn't matter whether he's there or not. Your service is fantastic. But I rock with a man because I trust him to, number one, diagnose the issue. Number two, use quality parts to fix the issue. Number three, I trust him to charge me a fair price. And then, bro, number four is big for me. I trust him to stand behind his work. JR and his crew hit that every single solitary time. What are they, Matt? Like five minutes north of downtown right mm -hmm. off of Commonwealth? Take your ride there. It's, it's worth the trip. Indeed it is. It's Freeway Tire Shop. Schedule an appointment. Request a quote online at freewaytireshop.com. Let's take a trip around the block, man, because there is some wonky stuff going on in this world. And I, I don't know if you saw this story, but you're familiar, I would imagine, with the actor Tom Hardy. I know the name. Yeah, Tom Hardy, who has been in a ridiculous amount of movies. He he played the villain Bane in The Dark Knight uh, yeah, yeah, Rises. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, he is yeah, yeah. Venom in those Venom movies, obviously. He's been in a bunch of different movies. He was yeah, in The Revenant with Leonardo DiCaprio. He also, years ago, about, man, this is probably 11, 12 years ago, was in an MMA movie called Warrior. And he started training in MMA. And he got into good shape and, and went through this program with that. Well, this is fascinating because Tom Hardy decided that he wanted to enter a jujitsu competition. All right. And so he goes out over the weekend and enters a jujitsu competition as part of a global nonprofit organization called Reorg, which is a charity that works with mental health and the well-being of veterans of service, military, and first responders through the therapeutic benefits of jujitsu and fitness training. Tom Hardy is 45 years old. He shows up at this competition. I mean, this is nuts, man. Shows up at this competition under his real name, which is Edward, Edward Hardy. He's a blue belt in jiu-jitsu, and he won the thing. Wow. He won this jiu-jitsu competition. How about that? <laughs> I mean, you want to... I first saw, I mean, because, you know, I mean, I know that they're really training for it and all this. And like when you, when actors do this type of thing, it's it's legit that they know how to do a lot of these types of things. But man, I don't know if I expected them to go to that level. Yeah. Like you just can walk into a jujitsu and granted, look, this isn't like the guys that are fighting UFC level, but still, I mean, to come out of a competition like that at 45 years old and, and basically you're an actor, but you know enough about jujitsu where you can win a competition of that significance. I thought that was pretty cool. Oh, I think you walk down any Hollywood street with BDE. Yeah, oh, you, you think? <laughs> I mean, my God, where you're just kind of like, yeah, so I'm not messing with Tom Hardy ever. No, no, that's fantastic, man. Um, 
I wonder if he had any previous martial arts training or if it's something that he just picked up really quickly. I don't know, but if he got really into it and enjoyed it, and that movie was shot like 12 years ago, I mean, if he's been training in jiu-jitsu for 12-plus years now, then it would make sense that he's at a level where he could compete in something like this. It was something in... He's he's British, so it was over there in the United Kingdom when he entered this competition and won the whole thing, but... He said that only one of his opponents knew who he was and fell starstruck. And Hardy just told him, hey, forget it's me. Do what you normally do. <laughs> but but I can't because you're Tom Hardy, dude. Forget it's me. Do what you normally do. Oh, that is really good. I'm impressed by that one. You had merely adopted the darkness. I was born into it. Yeah, not bad, huh? No, that's uh, that's good. That's damn good. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, it is, isn't it? That's a damn good bane. The other thing that I came across, and I think probably especially you being in the DFW area, you saw this, and if not, I mean, my God, this is one of those things. Did you see the video of that 18-wheeler that plunged off of 75 up there in Allen and exploded into flames? No, when was that? It happened, I think it was yesterday or the day before, Apparently, it was up there in Allen near the Stacy Road exit up there where the outlets are. Yeah. Apparently, there was a wreck on 75 northbound, and the 18-wheeler swerved to avoid plowing into the already collision that had happened. He just, I mean, goes right off the overpass, slams through the concrete, and lands. The the cab explodes. The driver was killed, unfortunately, a 71-year-old man. But he was the only fatality, and a, a lot of people are saying, like, if he hadn't done that, that who knows how, he probably would have killed a handful of people from smashing into the wreck that had already happened. Damn. I mean, the video's insane, because it's just some dude at a stoplight at Stacy Road, and all of a sudden, this 18-wheeler just explodes through the, the overpass wall and blows up right in front of him in the intersection. No, I'm, uh, I'm looking at the video now. Can you imagine that? No, I can't. I mean, I don't even know what you do. You just be sitting there going, oh my, what the? And I will tell you this, that I've always, I read a story, this is years ago, and I can't remember, I want to say it happened, it's somewhere, it must have been over there off of 35 where they have the express lane in the middle. And I read a story, this is from several years ago, of an 18-wheeler that had come over the wall and had basically just plowed through a car on the other side that was going northbound and ripped the entire half off the of the car and like just cut the person in half that was driving. Oh, I could definitely see that happening. And I have never been able to forget about that. And anytime I'm in the express lane like that, and there's a lane in between lanes, I don't. And I always think this like over overpasses and stuff. Any like I can't stand if I'm at a light and I'm stuck under an overpass, but my car's sticking out. Because I'm just sitting there going, what if like a car above us just like flies off the overpass and lands on me? Dude, that, you know. And that happened in Allen. That's exactly what happened. Fort, thank God that everybody was at a light and nobody was coming when that guy plowed off the interstate because, I mean, just what a wild ass video and situation. No, that was, uh, I mean, I, I don't even have words for it. Now I'm. Now I'm trying to make sure I don't go through and read all these stories about uh, the gentleman who died in the accident and all this other stuff. Uh, but because that's the miracle, man, that you're right, that an 18 wheeler could go off a ramp and not hit another car. 
Yeah, and, and, and as, I mean, that's, a, that's amazing. As sad as it is to think that he lost his life, he did that and saved other lives by avoiding the collision that had already happened in front of him on 75. Just, I mean, what a wild act. I mean, the video, if you guys haven't seen the video, just Google 18 wheeler explodes Allen, Texas, and it'll be, I mean, it is a very like, whoa type of video. Like, what am I watching here? This, it looks like a Hollywood movie, quite honestly. Yeah, I did it on Twitter and it came up literally instantly. Yeah. So the other thing that I wanted to throw out here for you, I, I saw this study. This is so wild. According to a new report that has been done, scientists now believe after studying ants for the last several years, this is a real story. They estimate there are 20 quadrillion ants on planet Earth, which is enough for each human to represent 2.5 million ants. <laughs> well, maybe they'll become a delicacy now since there's so many of them. That's a lot of ants, dude. I mean, and we all have problems with ants. Nobody likes fire ants. Nobody likes to deal with them. I got stung by an ant a couple of weeks ago i mean i'm allergic to ants like if i get stung by an ant it doesn't like kill me or anything my i'm not gonna i mean i guess if enough stung me it might but just right. like a, an ant here or there isn't a big deal it's just my bites will swell up more than like a normal person's and i usually get a, a blister on all my bites Damn. yeah it's kind of annoying but man i don't know this is this is one of those things where i just i read that and it's we don't realize because we are the dominant species, but if ants ever became self-aware, we'd all just be dead in like an hour. Well, they were, you know, pound for pound and the strongest animal was yeah. one of them. I mean, they would just overwhelm you. You can't fight off 2.5 billion ants per person. It's impossible. <laughs> you can't douse yourself with enough ant killer to get rid of that many ants. Not enough raid to do that? Ah, I mean, that's... That's impressive, and we now have a little bit of news in the Breaking Bad world. Did you see this? It's just kind of cool. That? Vince Gilligan has announced that his next series starring Rhea Seahorn, who played, oh my God, I'm drawing a blank. She was in Better Call Saul, the blonde, his, his lover. That's his wife, right? Yeah. Oh my God, how can I not think of this? You mean Kim, Kim Wexler. Thank you. Oh, God, yeah. it just popped into my head. Kim Wexler. Uh, played by Rhea Seahorn. Now, this is going to be a... It, it's been announced that it'll be on Apple TV. There'll be a two seasons at least, but it is an untitled project described as a blended, grounded genre drama. A blended, grounded genre drama. Hmm. What the hell does that mean? I don't know. I don't know if it's going to be connected to Better Call Saul, but it's interesting he chose her to be in it. And, I mean, Gilligan is known for Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul, so I, I don't know what the continuation of that will be. We shall see. That's good times. I'm in. I, I mean, so far, Vince Gilligan hadn't gone wrong. No, nah, I was going to say, you got to trust him, right? He's heard it. And then finally here in this trip around the block, and I, you sent this to me. I had seen this earlier. They have on video a man who has been captured punching a flight attendant in mid-flight from behind on an American Airlines flight. It was a flight from San Jose del Cabo, Mexico, to LAX on Wednesday. An unruly passenger caught on video punching this person. Now, shockingly, law enforcement officials were waiting at the airport where they arrested him immediately because he's a dumbass. <laughs> I just don't get it, man. Like... 
like, come on, dude. You have to follow the instructions. Up in the air where thousands, I mean, hundreds of lives can be jeopardized from one silly move. And, you know, we've seen it happen. Dude, I, I don't understand people, man. The individual involved will never be allowed to travel on American Airlines in the future, and they will work with law enforcement to their investigation. Apparently, another passenger aboard the flight, a man, helped the flight crew restrain the attacker. After a, He says a female flight attendant grabbed some restraints, came over. He said, I went back over there. I said, look, we're going to put these on you, and he just put his hands up and let us do it. That's one of those things, man. Like, like I, I'm that guy, I, and who knows, in the actual moment, but I tend to be the guy that if something like that happens, I'm like, oh, hell no, man. This isn't going down on my fight. And I would jump up and just chokehold your ass from behind. Yeah, I think uh, we'd like to hope we'd all do something in that moment because, you know, it's not, again, you're, you're 30,000 feet up in the air. It's not just your life or one life. It's everybody's life. And at that point, you know, it's time for action. Yeah, man, and, and I got to tell you, like, especially, and I know it was years ago, but it used to be when planes got hijacked, people listen. Nowadays, after 9-11, we know that if you're trying to do something on this plane, I don't trust that you're, you're going to land me safely. And so I'm going to, like, to me, like, nah, I'm not dealing with that. I just, yeah. hope, I just hope I'm not the guy that grabs my pin out of my, back hat, my backpack and stabs the guy in the kidney a couple of times. <laughs> Oh, I think you'd be that guy. Like, I don't want, like, let me just chokehold the guy. And, and, you know, I've been hit in the face many times in my life. It's not fun, but, you know, do what you got to do. You're going to break my nose, not cool, because I will choke you. And then maybe, then you got to hope he doesn't have a buddy that was waiting for that to happen that comes over and stomps on my face while I'm trying to chokehold him. And if that happens, is there another good Samaritan that can handle that guy? You got to think of these angles. I read too many books. <laughs> yes, you do. Good <laughs> Lord. <laughs> I think like this. Everywhere I go, I think like this. Like, what do I do? Like, I'll turn down an aisle, and I see a guy eyeball me. I'm like, okay, if he comes at me, what do I have? And I look around to see, do I throw something at him? Like, how's this going down? Well, that's why you always be prepared. Yeah, no doubt, man. I mean, I used to, I don't know if I've ever told you this. I don't think I do this anymore, but when I lived alone, if I was ever showering and I heard a noise, I was like, oh, my God, did somebody just come into the bathroom? Or, like, is somebody in my house? I wouldn't get out of the shower because they'd already heard that I'm in the shower. So if they wanted to come take me out, they would know I was in the bathroom. So I would stand outside of the water, like ready to go if they, if they tried to open up the curtain so that I had the element of surprise on my side. Plus, I thought if they were coming to assassinate me, they would shoot to where the water was and they wouldn't be expecting me to be standing out of the water right up in the corner of the shower. <laughs> I used to have that thought all the time, man. I mean, I was prepared. I was ready. Just in case, you know, somebody wants to randomly assassinate me. You never know. Maybe you, you apparently you don't. Over, <laughs> maybe you were brought over here as, a, uh, as an infant and turned into a spy as a, hip, a hypnotic thing. And it's supposed to go when somebody says sauerkraut, um, you know, when you're 12 years old. Yeah, there it goes. And it, it just launches you into that whole thing where you're like, whoa, watch out. Here I come. Yeah. So that wraps up the block, and we've got to bring this up because very likely by the time we record another podcast on Monday night, we are going to have a new all-time home run record in the American League because Aaron Judge of the Yankees is doing something that none of us have ever seen in the type of season that this dude is having. He becomes, right now, as we record this again, this is on Thursday afternoon, 
Aaron Judge for the Yankees is sitting on 60 home runs. He is just the sixth player in Major League Baseball history to hit 60. Just the third American League player to do it. All three, oddly enough, from the Yankees. Obviously, Ruth with his 60 and 27. Maris with 61 and 61. And the thing of it is, not only is he going to get the new American League record, he's going to do it with plenty of room to spare because they are sitting there. They are at 148 games played. He has 14 games to break the 61 of Maris. Probably ends up around 65 or so. I would think so, but it's also one of those things where you just want to get it in your normal rhythm. If you've been hitting homer every 12 uh, at bats or so, then you want to get it in 12 because you want that pressure to start coming where you're running out of games and you're trying to get it. Uh, then again, he's so strong and he's so locked in, it's probably not even an issue for him this year because he's hitting what? Uh, leading the league in hitting. Yep. And I think he's like 328 or something. So, yeah, he, he's at 317 right now, but he's leading the majors in batting average. He's leading the majors in RBI. You know, that leads me to a quick aside. Real quick. Isn't it shocking that 317 is the only batting average leading the American League? Seems like those guys just hit 350, 360 all the time. Welcome to the world of American League and National League hitting. Yeah. Terrible. I mean, I, yeah. I thought the same thing when I saw that. I, and I this will shock you perhaps even more. Think of how many players are in the American League. I mean, however, you know, do the math if you want. Seven of them are batting over 300. Dude. Seven. That's terrible. Isn't that nuts? That's terrible. I mean, how is that a thing that happens in today's age? I mean, it, it, it's, it's well, wild. The aren't even that good. It's even worse in the National League. Wow. I, there's only four hitters in the National That means in all of baseball, there are 11 hitters in the entire league of the major leagues that are batting over 300. And, dude, you couldn't even get in the top 10 unless you were hitting, like, 310. That's incredible. Wow. I mean, I, that blows my mind because I hadn't thought about that until you brought that up, and I just went and looked at it, and I'm like, oh, my God. That's that's insane because you do this, so it's – I mean, I'll do the math real quick. It's 30 teams, obviously, in, in Major League Baseball, 26 players at any given time. That's 780 players, and 11 of them are batting over 300. Pathetic, bro. That's Pathetic. sad. So, that's what's wrong with the game. It, it's interesting because Aaron Judge leading the American League, as I mentioned, in batting average, leading in RBI and home runs. He's on pace to win the Triple Crown. He would become just the second player in the last 55 years to win a Triple Crown in either league. In the first since Miguel Cabrera did it back in 2012. You know, I think that's one of the great feats in sports. I mean, I, yeah. we're kind of dub, but... Especially now the way baseball is played, you know, that's uh, that's pretty damn amazing. And, you know, just to show the poverty in the uh, the average and, you know, the production, dude, there's a reason. Like before Cabrera, I think Carter Stripsky in 67 was the last one to do it. Yep, that's correct. So, you know, it's, um, it's a big deal, bro. I'd, I'd love to see him get it because it seems like a good dude. It also is wild because Aaron Judge leads the American League in war, as you might expect, leads the American League, as we already said, in RBI, batting average, and home runs, leads the American League in on-base percentage, slugging percentage, on-base plus slugging percentage, runs scored, total bases, bases on balls. He leads it in, he leads the majors in walks. 
OPS plus, extra, extra bates hits, and times on base. I, I mean, it's... I, it's his world, baby. It's unbelievable. And I get it because a lot of people, there's a debate going on. Do you give him the MVP or do you give it to Shohei Otani? And, and, and I get that because of what Shohei Otani is doing that we, I mean, he's doing things that who knows if we'll ever see anybody who does what he's doing again. But he's doing it for a team that is absolute trash. His batting out, his batting numbers, I mean, Otani's at 34 home runs. That's not bad. He's hitting 270. He's walked 71 times. I mean, Otani is a, a slugger stud at the plate. And then you look at his pitching numbers and you sit here and go, you have a 243 ERA and you're 13 and eight. Again, it's very, very impressive. But I, I mean, I think that's an interesting debate. Otani, who bat to bat, judges, it's totally different. But I mean, it's so hard not to weight Otani's ability as what he's done as a pitcher. He's the Angels' best hitter, and he's the Angels' best pitcher. Yeah, but one dude is having a spectacular, never-before-seen type of season. And the other the guy is, um, you know, he's, he's outstanding. But I think, you know, this season is, I don't know. Uh, I, I don't think it's as statistically better as last season. Is My point being... This is kind of who he is, is what he does. <clears throat> but, you know, this, we may not see this season again from Aaron Judge. Yeah, and, and obviously Otani won the MVP last year, and I was just looking at this. He has 12 fewer home runs. His batting average is higher this year as just simply when you look at him from a hitting standpoint. Pitching-wise, he is much better this year. And 13 wins. He had nine last year, 243 ERA. He had a 3-1 last year. He has, he's just been a better pitcher all around this year. So it, it, it's interesting when you have one guy that can do both at the level that Otani is doing it. But like you talked about, I mean, Aaron Judge is doing things at the plate that, quite honestly, we haven't seen anybody even approach what he's doing since Barry Bonds. And he's doing it in the market where they care about that more than anything else. Yeah, I mean, it, it's... It's impressive. It is flat-out impressive watching Aaron Judge. And it'll be interesting because Major League Baseball has gotten to a point where, you know, I'll be curious if they figure out something. One of the reasons why the NFL is so colossally popular is parity. You and I have talked about this, the idea that, I mean, going into the season, even right now, you know, maybe there's a couple of teams that you look at and be like, nah. But pretty much everybody going into the season, the, the vast majority of fan bases believe, man, we might could be a playoff team. And if you can get in the playoffs in the NFL, who knows? Major League Baseball is the total opposite. I mean, you, you could look at when the year started, everybody picked the Mets and the Braves. Everybody picked the Cardinals and the Brewers, the Dodgers and the Padres, Houston, probably the White Sox and the Yankees, Toronto, and maybe threw in Tampa Bay. All those teams I just mentioned are probably making the playoffs, and multiples of them have already. The Mets and the Braves have clinched a playoff spot. The Dodgers clinched their division. The Astros have already clinched their division. Chicago's six games back in the Central, so maybe not them, but Cleveland's up there at the top. And New York, Toronto, and Tampa Bay are all going to the playoffs. Well, Seattle may. Seattle's probably the surprise in Major League Baseball this year because there's a really good chance they should snap that playoff drought they haven't been in the playoffs since 2001 dude and remember does anybody remember how bad they were the first six weeks of the season 
Yeah, it's wild, man. <laughs> and then they became the club everybody thought they were going to be. And I got to say, that is one thing I liked about baseball. Uh, it's a terrible video game because who's got time to play 162 games? None. No one. But it's great for real baseball because the season really is so long that 99% of the time you are who you are at the end of it. Yeah. Because you have time to have hot streak, cold streak. And it's, it's so long that you can't fluke your way to a championship or, or a division or something. Very true. And you and you can't fluke your way to a season because there'll be a, a six-week period where you're hitting 185, but you hit you know 325 the rest of the other, the other periods. Yeah, and, and so we'll see how it turns out. But it, it's – I mean, I was looking at this the other day, and you talk about how depressing can you be. The Astros have won five – and I'm going to throw out the COVID year because it was a short year, who knows. But the Astros have won the American League West in the five last full seasons of baseball, and they will be the favorite. I mean, the playoffs go through them. They have home field advantage through the American League playoffs. They are looking to go to their fourth World Series in the last six years. Wow. They paid the penance for it, bro. So, you know. Unbelievable, man. And and it really feels like in the playoffs, you never know, but it really feels like you're just on pace for an Astros-Dodgers World Series. I'm okay with that. I am too, because I'll be pulling hardcore for the Dodgers. Uh, I don't mind seeing big on big, best on best. And maybe, you know, they can win again without cheating. Yeah, maybe they can do that. So... We'll see how it turns out. The Rangers, by the way, for those of you that, for whatever reason, are curious, they finally won a series. They had lost their last 10, and they beat the Angels today. So that gave them two of three over the Angels, who somehow they are like neck and neck with record-wise. But as we record this, they have 13 games remaining in the season. They are 65-84. and 84. If they can go 5-8, and eight, they would finish at 70-92. and 92. That's positive, right? It's better than what it has been. I, yeah, I mean, it's it's better than what it has been. And, and the future, again, it is bright. They've got a lot of good young arms in this thing. Josh Young will be here next year. It's just, it's, I mean, I get it, especially when you look at what the Astros are doing. It's just so frustrating because, you know, this would be more wins than they've had in their past two seasons. The COVID year, you kind of throw out, and they, would have, they wouldn't have won 70 games in the COVID year anyway. So you look at this, I mean, what's that put them? That's their fifth consecutive losing season? Their sixth consecutive losing season, I apologize. Six consecutive losing seasons for the Texas Rangers. Yeah, brother, we just hope that they can get it straight and, uh, and have a – they got the farm system set up so that in a couple years they can run off a run like the Astros. That's what we're hoping for. Yeah, and it's kind of wild, man, because you look at this, as sad as this seems – the Texas Rangers, and it doesn't seem like it was that long ago, but they are now going to be one of those teams that is mired in one of the longest playoff droughts in Major League Baseball. And I say that because they have not been to the playoffs. This will be six consecutive years now. And if Seattle makes the playoffs, that ends their streak, and they have the longest current streak. I believe they have the longest current streak in pro sports. I mean, 20 consecutive seasons – without going to the playoffs is a long-ass time. Philadelphia is second longest with 10, and they're going to be a wild card in the NL this year. So that takes them off the books. That leaves the Tigers and the Angels, who will have eight straight years. The Pirates and the Royals will be on their seventh year, and the Orioles and the Rangers are right there after that. Hmm. 
for playoff yeah. droughts. Sad. Uh, the flip side is it means people have been going fairly frequent. Different people have been getting there. So, you know, teams have their cycles. Let's see if, when they can get theirs. That it's is coming. Yeah, I think. I hope. I hope so. I hope so. I would like that. And then. Real quickly, before we get into our conversation with Clarence Hill Jr. about the Cowboys, another big weekend in college football is on the way. And you got three of those ranked-on-ranked matchups. You got number five, Clemson, at number 21, Wake Forest. That's a tricky one that should be a good game. And then you've got the two in the SEC with number 20, Florida, at number 11, Tennessee. Tennessee's going to wipe the – I mean, Tennessee's only a a 10.5-point favorite. That's easy money. And then the other one is that game in the DFW area at Jerry World, number 10 Arkansas against number 23 A&M. And A&M is actually a point and a half favorite in that one. That surprises you. I think it does because based on everything we've seen from these two teams so far this year, A&M has a more talented roster, but they haven't grown and executed that yet. Now, that being said, Arkansas has the worst pass defense in the country through the first two games of the season, or three games of the season, rather. So can A&M's offense finally wake up and start completing some passes down the field? And will they be able to do enough against the Arkansas run attack, which is very, very good, so they don't get App State, where Arkansas is just like, oh, we can get three or four yards of carry? Cool. We'll run the ball 70 times and keep you off the field. Oh, well, you know, everybody's going to challenge him like that after what happened against App State, so... That's where it starts, and, you know, the, the sooner they can establish their dominance along the line of scrimmage, um, you know, the more they can make things happen. But that being said, man, they still got a problem at quarterback. It's going to be a tight fit. It is, and, and I thought before this season that Arkansas could get them in this game, and if that happens, man, will we have a conversation next week because that puts the Aggies at 2-2 two and two and any hope they had for this season. Over! Sorry, sucks for you. I almost feel like they have to win that game, but we'll see. I don't know. Outside of that, college football's been interesting this year because last year we got so used to those. Like, we had so much chaos. Right. Through three weeks of the season last year, there were nine teams that were unranked that beat ranked teams. And this year we've only had six of those. So not quite as much chaos. And a couple of those even this year were, you know, like Tech beat number 25 Houston. You know, not, right. Just easy stuff. I don't know what no. it is. Um, yeah, I, I think we're just early in it. It's... um been a little more to form uh, and that's okay um but uh, i mean you know it's coming it's just a matter of time we can we can stake it out and wait it out but it's going to happen and give us that uh, sports orgasm that we all need yeah and, and i'm curious the michigan game's curious to me because they're actually playing a team that matters because michigan's averaging 55 points a game and just destroying everybody they've played but they've played crap and they get Maryland at home, and Maryland's got an offense that can keep up with them. So I, I don't think they'll lose that game, but I'll be curious to see, is Michigan as good as how they've played the first three weeks when they've basically been scrimmaging? Yeah, it's a, it's a good test because, you know, it's, it's a game that they should win, obviously, but it's like you're saying, you just want to see how they perform, and, uh, you know, it gives you a little bit of a tone about what they can do. Same thing with Ohio State and Wisconsin. It's yeah. the same type of game. You yep. just want to see where you at. You expect to win. You expect it to be a little bit of a struggle. And how good are you? Yeah, and Texas has one of those games this weekend on the road at Texas Tech that in the last few years is the type of game they lose. They showed a lot, I thought, against UTSA and bouncing back to handle their business in a trap game coming on the heels of that, of that Alabama game. But if Texas wants to set up the path for them to be better, you have to beat the Texas Techs of the world. 
Texas Tech should be a school that you are beating every year unless the Michael Crabtree talent shows up out of the blue for the Red Raiders. And they don't have that right now. Uh, you should beat them, uh, you know, 19 out of 20 years, 18 out of 20. Yeah, something like uh, that where Tech gets yeah. you every once in a while and, and it's right. just because At they home, had that guy. Nev- yeah, yeah, never never at your place. Uh, so, yeah, man, this is, uh, and this is how teams build uh, momentum. It's all about beating the teams you're supposed to beat. And, uh, you know, for Texas, it starts here, man. Can, can you put it together? The, that's why UTSA win was so big. Because mm-hmm. uh, it was classic trap game, classic trap game, just like this one is. You got OU coming up. Can you handle this game and be a solid team, but a team that you're better than? If you show up and play your best, they can't stay on the field with you. Yeah, beat Tech, beat West Virginia, be four and one when you meet Oklahoma. Do that, and, and then we can have a conversation. You also got the iron skillet this weekend, TCU and SMU, and this is a big deal because the TCU coach is Sonny Dykes, who was at SMU a year ago. You know, so many folks transferred from SMU. I wonder how many people care. I'm sure there's enough to make it a battle cry this week, but, you know, their coach and Sonny are tight. Um, so uh, the question is, who's the better team, man? Because I like, I like that SMU is still playing well. Uh, you know how Sonny builds his teams. Um, since I teach a class at SMU, I got to go for the Mustangs. Yeah, and I think that's fair. And look, TCU is 2-0, and but they beat Tarleton State, who's an FCS school. They beat Colorado, who Colorado is probably the worst team in the FBS. So it's hard to know what you make of. It's like a lot of teams this early on. You know, all SMU's done is, is had a couple of good wins and then lost a really tough game against a solid Maryland team on the road last week. So... This should be a really good game. I think TCU-SMU, this might be one of those thrillers for the iron skillet that feels like it's kind of come back around a little bit in recent years. Uh, no, I definitely expect that. So enjoy that. And then maybe after you do the college football games, you can swing by Smokey John's. Grab a little lunch on Saturday. Maybe get the Jam Session Bowl. Only available to Jam Session podcast listeners. It's not on the menu. You can't walk in there and see it. It's the secret menu. Jacques had it a few times. I mean, it's fantastic. Everybody that has ever gotten that and we've had many of you who tweet pictures to us, and you go, okay, yeah. And again, guys, you have to realize the people that we tell you about, we're not bullshitting you. This is real. I mean, it is really good. We enjoy it. We eat it. All these guys that we tell you about on the podcast, we use their services because we like them, which is why we like talking about them, and it works well. So when you guys go, man, you guys weren't kidding. This is really good. I, yes, it is really good. Uh, it's so good that uh, you can pick up uh, Smokey John's Sauce and Rub at HEB's in Frisco and around uh, the DFW area. You can also order them online. Go to Marketplace on their website, SmokeyJohns.com. Click on the Sauce and Rub and have a little taste of Texas, a little taste of Dallas, a little taste of Oak Cliff in just a couple of days. Yeah, man. I mean, look, I've, I've, I told that story. I've done that. We've gotten barbecue from here. I'll bring home my leftovers, and I use Smokey John's barbecue sauce instead of the sauce that comes from the restaurants here in Alabama because I love it. It's so good. So get out and support them. It's two brothers that own it, Juan and Brent. It, it, they got it from their family. It's been in their family for 46 years. Smokey John's barbecue, man. It does not get any more local than that right there off of Mockingbird in Dallas. And by the way, I want to bring this up just real quick because you mentioned how it's available at HEB in Frisco. Well, it's available at the HEB in Frisco because that Frisco HEB just opened this week. It had a 12-hour line 
or I should say people were lining up to get into the HEB 12 hours before it opened. It opened Wednesday at 6 a.m. They had 1,500 people waiting in line to get in at 6 a.m. in the middle of the week. Okay, can I tell you that HEB, I think, is a really good grocery store. Really, really good. I didn't understand why a friend of mine uh, would go shop there on the weekends until I went one, went to one and said, oh, this is why. That being said, my friend, I'm not waiting in line, not even an hour to go grocery shop. No, man. I mean, come on. It's going to be there. You can go two weeks from now. Or here's an idea. There already are some in the DFW area. Go to one of those if you need to go so bad. Yes, I go to the one in Waxahachie when I go. I mean, it, it blows my mind. And, and I just, I don't, I, I would never in a million years, I, I just don't need to go to HEB that bad. That's just silly. No, and it's a great grocery store. I mean, it's got some fantastic things. And I, I yeah. really, really enjoy it. But I'm not waiting in line for 15 hours. for No, it, well, and here's the problem. Think. People do that because, oh, I, I went to HEB the day it opened. Because you don't really need to go to HEB because you haven't been going out of your way to go to it before. You've been going to Kroger or Tom Thumb or whatever. You wanted to be able to tell people you were there for whatever reason. For whatever reason. Now, HEB does have plans. They already have announced there are new stores on the way in Mansfield, Allen, McKinney, Plano, Prosper, Rockwall, Forney, and Melissa. So if you weren't one of the 1,500 people waiting in line for this one, just be patient. They're coming. All right, it is time to check in with Cowboys beat reporter for the Fort Worth Star-Telegram. Been doing it a long time. Clarence E. Hill Jr. joining us now. And, Chill, it's funny because when we jumped on the phone with you, you talk about a lot going on today. Apparently, Jerry Jones wants there to be a quarterback controversy between Cooper Rush and Dak Prescott. I mean, it's crazy. It is literally crazy. But it's, it's always something. And Jerry's always selling something. And, you know, it's, you know all week has been... Steve Young, Dak Prescott can learn from Cooper Rush, you know, stop, shooting that nonsense down. And, and, and now, you know, Jerry Jones is fueling this, this speculation. I know what he's doing. You know, basically saying that means we're winning. That means we're undefeated. I would love to be undefeated with Cooper Rush to have you guys even bringing this up as a conversation. But you know how we're going to take it. You know how the social media is going to take it. Everybody's going to take it. Oh, Dak Prescott, the $40 million quarterback, you know, Cooper Rush is going to take his job like that did Ramos job. And Jerry fanned those flames by bringing up the Romo situation with Dak Prescott. And how we, I didn't think Dak was going to keep his job. And, you know, that was a game-by-game, play-by-play situation. And look what happened. So I would love to have that problem. It, it struck me as a little different, as I was telling Jacques, because Cooper Rush is a guy that they know who he is. He's been around for years. Other teams in the NFL have been able to claim him at any time and didn't want him. And Dak came in as an unknown fourth-round rookie that nobody knew that he could possibly be on that ceiling. Well, of course. And, 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 and those are the facts. This is not a situation where you think you got a long-term starter. You know, the thing with Romo and, and, and Dak was, and people don't understand, is that part of the Romo decision was they didn't believe Romo could stay healthy. It's like, well, if I go back to Romo, how, how many games are we going to get? You know, we don't know if he's ever going to be healthy again. And, of course, he never played again because of that back injury. But, yes, you know who Cooper Rush is. You know what you have in Dak. You played him all this money. He's two years into a $160 million deal. This is crazy talking. And we're not talking about 10-1. and one. We're talking about two or three games with, with, with Cooper Rush. And, and, and so you don't make those decisions after two or three games. You know, you, you go with tight end after 
he was going on a ten game winning streak, thirteen game winning streak, whatever it became. But it was ten to one at the time when 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 they made the decision to stick with the hot hand with Dak Prescott. But what it does for Jerry is it keeps you talking. Cowboys will be leading sports center and all the top shows tomorrow. And but it also means that this dream of last week when everybody thought the sky was falling, the season was over because because Dak was gone and they had that horrible first game loss. Now Cooper Rush has beat Cincinnati, and if there's a chance he could beat the Giants or the Redskins, this season's not over. And so anyway, you have a chance that, that Cooper Rush is leading the team to victory. Jerry welcomes that. He's not, you know, there's no way Mike McCarthy's going to not play Dak Prescott, but he welcomes the conversation because that means that the Cowboys are winning. I mean, we are talking about a dude who said that told us last week one plus one is three. We had to believe that. <laughs> and, and this is this is, yes, that's, that's Jerry Mann. And this is another version of Jerry Mann. Yeah, so I think you got to all keep it all in perspective with him. He's just trying to figure out a way to how can we win and wow, it would be great if we had a controversy because that means we're winning, uh, much right. like he said. So, Cal, I mean, Clarence and I, I mean, I realize you're the black one, but I just got through. <laughs> I just got through. I just got through talking to Calvin before I got it, before I talked to Matt and you. So Calvin was on my mind because we was talking about something similar to this. What do I folks Yeah, now see, that, that make us tell a story. Gene Jones used to call me Clarence all the time. And it got to the point I said, no, Mrs. Jones, I'm the other one. And uh, whenever people confuse us, I typically say, no, I'm the other one. I don't know what Cat Clarence's standard line is, but that's my standard line. And the whiter you are, the paler you are, the more I say it with edge. Yeah. Well, Bill Parcells got to admit stuff, but the first time we're sitting opposite each other. You know, it's, 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 <laughs> so it has happened a number of times. Because now I get called Calvin all the time. You know, it's, it's just like, never happened for me to him. <laughs> no, never happened with me, John, at all. But go on and continue the conversation. Well, we when the three of us, when candy. the three of when the three of us are sitting at a nursing home twenty years from now, it'll happen all the time. Uh, listen, I told my kids they take care of me. <laughs> well, when you go visit Calvin and, and Jacques at the nursing home, then <laughs> yeah, because we know Calvin gonna be there. When they will be in, of course, Anyway, now we've gone down that rabbit hole. I believe the question has something to do with: uh, Do you think Cooper Rush can replicate his performance? Because I have my doubts. Well, and, and that's just it. I mean, and, and everything went right for the Cowboys in the first half. Those first two drives, from the way they played on defense to to uh, all the play calls going right. The offensive line, ever no penalties, everything went right. Do we think that's going to happen in New York with that crowd? Jonathan Brino, this offensive line that always false starts, never had, you know, didn't have any false starts early on. You got all of that, and and people forget that after those first two drives, the offense did nothing until that final thirty-three yard drive in the fourth quarter that would really fuel the punt return. That offense bogged down. You know, if Cooper Rush could have had two or three picks, it's like that could have had two or three more picks in that in that season opener. But but that offense did nothing for much of the second, third, and fourth quarters. Uh, starting the second half with three punts and a, and a fumble before that final field goal drive. So, uh, you know, can you replicate that in New York? And and, and again, the, the week following, if, if if he still has to play, that's the question. But again. Jerry Jones wants that. He wants that. He wants that. That's a good problem to have. That's a good question to have. You know, he loves. He would love to have that dilemma. As you said. And, and as a Cowboy fan, you want that dilemma. 
if there is a dilemma, it's really not a dilemma, but you want that conversation. You want people to be talking about it, number one, so they continue to talk about the Cowboys, but mainly because that means the Cowboys are winning. Did we think that's going to be happening? No, but we didn't think they were going to be Cincinnati. And as Jerry Jones said, I didn't think Dak Prescott would go 10-1 and play the Rumble. It was a game-by-game, play-by-play, series-by-series situation for me. Yeah, he he did say that, and and Jerry definitely wanted to to make sure to call you out last week after they they beat Cincinnati. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, I think like I, that was like as soon as he took the podium, it was like, "Where's Clarence?" Yeah, we're right. I need I need to go in my Will Smith mode. Keep my name <laughs> out your mouth. <laughs> oh yes, please try that with him. That would be fantastic. What what's this situation with Michael Gallup and Dennis Houston, who they released and they re-signed, and I guess Gallup's going to play Monday, but it'll be limited snap counts. What do you know about all that? Well, listen, I love the Dennis Houston story, undrafted Raider making a team, but again, it was he made no plays in training camp. He knew the offense and was in the right place, but you know, again, we've talked about that. I talked about the receivers in, in camp and. And, and there were a lot, a lot of plays being made out there, you know. And so, you know, uh, he started the disappointment was that Jalen Topa was the one who was sitting down and not the undrafted for agent. I think that was a bigger upset is what's wrong with your third-round pick, who you told us was going to come in and be an immediate impact player. The plan always for Michael Gallup to miss the first couple of games of the season. Stephen Jones told us that last March. He was going to miss two games, you know. And, uh, you know, everybody's, you know, throughout camp and, oh, he's doing this, he's missing. In two games, they're not bringing him back and forth in two games, and that's what's happening. And when he comes back, as I've said many times, he's not going to be Michael Gallup because it still takes you a while to get back to being yourself. They're going to ramp him up. He will be on their pitch count, but he will be able to give the Cowboys a deep threat, something they have when they had to stretch the field. He's the best uh, deep threat on the team. He was in the past couple of years, and so he will give them that option. But they're not going to play him seventy plays. But he does give them another weapon and receiver to go with T.D. Lamb. And the emerging Noah Brown. Yeah, Noah Brown had a good, had a really good game. Uh, I was impressed by that. I, I just like quarterbacks. I just need you to go four or five games, and once people see what you can't do and what you do well, and they take it away and see if you, if you can stay the same or whether you get a little bit better, a little bit worse. But he's off to a great start. Uh, my yeah, that's the thing about Noah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Thing about Noah, you know, because like I said, we've seen Noah look good in camp before. You know, we, we've seen Noah have a good camp. We just haven't seen him take it to the season. You know, and, and, and you know, last year, too many times on third down, Dak's throwing the ball to Noah Brown. He's not coming up with the reception. You know, and, and so he admits, you know, even in the camp, I, I, I need to show it on the field. And they, you know, I need to show that I can be trusted. And he says, you know, he has to continue to do it. Uh, no doubt. Um, the thing that concerns me about this game is we saw it in the opener with Leonard Fournette. The Giants and Brian Dayball, they don't trust Daniel Jones, so they're not going to be throwing it around. You're going to have to stop Saquon Barkley with an offense that we think probably can't separate, and I don't know if they can do that the way that they're blocking and committed to it right now. Yeah, I mean, that's just they know. They're going to have to stop the run. And we all know every game is going to be like the Bengals game. It's going to be a close game. It's going to be, you know, back and forth. It may come down to the to the last drive, and maybe you'll be asking you know, money my heart to, to win another one. But again, yeah, they got to have to put their big boy pants on and stop Saquon Barkley, who looks like Saquon Barkley of old. So he's had a good start to the season. He's finally healthy. But you have to believe in his defense. So if you, you stop Saquon Barkley and you get out to the quarterback, things can happen. Yeah, it, it's an interesting one where it feels like these are two teams that want to do things 
similar. Do you think that we're going to start seeing them use Zeke more, who he hadn't had a lot of carries, but when he's had carries, and we're talking about a guy who's four yards, six yards, seven yards, four yards, for the most part, is getting effective yardage when they use him as the running back. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that they like the mix they have. They're, they're never going to give to, uh, Pollard 20, 30 touches. That's, that's not the plan. They, they want to keep him as effective and his legs as fry as possible. You know, you know, I talked to Skip Pete. You know, they like for him to have, you know, 30, 40 snaps a game and maybe 15 touches. You know, and, and you, in how you saw them use the running back against the Bengals was, was ideal. I mean, Zeke is still the hammer, but, 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 but Pollard can come in and, and, and hit you with the big play. You know, while you were worrying about Zeke and the hammer, and you let Pollard come in and run different plays, and, you know, he goes 46 yards down the field. He, he gets a big play. That's what you're looking for, and that's what they hope, you know, to continue to have going forward. Uh, you know, uh compared to DeMarco Murray and how they used him and Felix Jones back in the day. Well, you know, you you you, you just want to use Felix and, and use him, don't want to use him up because it's not just about, that game is about being ready to fourth quarter. It's also about the 16, 17 games of the season. You don't want to wear his body down because you need his legs to have as much juice as possible when you do use him. The other thing about the defense is, um, is at what place do you think they settle? Because I don't expect them to give up just one touchdown a game. You look at them as a top five defense, a top 10, top 11 to 20. Where do you see them? Well, I mean, I think they definitely a top ten defense and have a chance to be the top five defense where they're playing. I mean, that that offense is pretty good, you know. And 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 and, and certainly the offense line has issues, but they did a great job with those receivers. You know, Tampa Bay offense is pretty good. They got playmakers. They did a did a great job against them. The Giants offense is certainly not as good as either one of those offenses. You know, when you look at the entire offense, certainly on the weapons on the outside. I mean, who plays receiver for the Giants right now? Who stares you outside? You know, so and and they've done a good job. I, I think, you know, especially with Micah going the way Micah's going, this this defense has a chance to be special. How good is Micah Parsons? Is he the best player, or defensive player in the NFL right now? Well, I mean, you know, you got that dude with the Rams. You got T.J. Watt, but but he's certainly trending that direction. You know, I I think that uh, he, right now he's the front runner for you know defensive player of the year, and if he keeps it up, certainly that that's going to happen. And he, and he really should have won it last year. A lot of people already. Bring out those Lawrence Taylor comparisons. You know, he's that type of player. I, I said this yesterday, and I, I, I don't know that since I've covered the Cowboys, there's been a more player that the opposing team feared than, than Michael Parsons. The Cowboys have not had a player, a defensive player, that other teams feared a game plan more than they have to do for Michael Parsons. You know, that that's includes, you know, DeMarcus Ware, Jay Ratliff, and, and all these guys, since, you know, you know, the the primetime era. No one, it, no one feared them. And I mean, I'm talking it's just the primetime era, pretty much. You okay. know, I mean, outside, right. of, yeah, outside yeah. of Deion Sanders, you know, you haven't had anybody that you had the game plan for like you do for Michael Parker. No, that's a that's a fair assessment. I'll co-sign you know, on that. I'll second that one. And, and, <laughs> that's good to know. And and, 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 and you know, you know, we we've had these conversations mm-hmm. before, but and, and then you you protect that and say. He has a chance at the current rate after his rookie year, and he could currently continue to do what he does. Could he go down to the greatest defensive player in Cowboys history? I mean, he's, he's on that his, path. He's, he's, he's particularly in that conversation for sure. Yeah. Yeah, no, he's definitely on that path. But, you know, the thing, you know, we can't even have that conversation until he got the second contract because all the great players we would ever think about to play for this organization, 
in addition to being stars, they had longevity, whether we're talking about Randy oh, yeah, no, Wright got- or those kinds of guys. And so, you know, ain't no doubt that he's on pace to have three great years or four great years, but can he have eight or nine? And I say that with every intention of him going, yeah, he looked like that dude. But I also would have swore to y'all, if I'm honest, that I thought Zeke, based off his first year and a half, was a Hall of Fame running back, and he wasn't going to get image record, but he was going to be a you know easily a 10,000-yard guy with no problem, play his whole career with the Cowboys, and that doesn't appear to be the case. No, that's true. And, you know, it's funny because Emmett Smith was up here today doing some ESPN documentary, and I talked to him, and he said, man, how you doing? He said, I'm still upright. I said, shit, that's what you – excuse me. That's what you were in your career. You was upright. That's why you were running camp because you stayed upright. You know, you you never was hurt. You know, you had that's why you had that longevity. That's why you were able to do that. That's who you were. You know, and so yeah, you have to have that longevity. You got to be healthy. You got to stay health free to, to to get to that point and, and to be that type of guy. But I'm just saying the potential is there. You know, the talent is there. You know, and 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 as great as we thought Zeke was the first couple of years, Michael Parsons has been better. Yeah, and that's it. I mean, and you had to remember how good Zeke was those two years, so that's saying a lot. Yeah, yeah, but you know, and but you know, but year two Zeke already you know had the opportunity, you know, so there was a, there was already some things that was, and, and again, Zeke liked to party and drink and do all the other stuff, and I don't really see Micah doing it or taking away from his body. Yeah, that makes sense. A little bit more of that maybe mental maturity. It, it just different situations too, because Micah's talked about that before having a son at an early age that kind of woke his eyes and him wanting to have his son, a lot of those things growing up that he didn't have as a kid growing up that I think kind of gives a little bit of that underlying maturity. Anytime you become a parent, especially as early in life as it happened for Micah Parsons. Oh, there's no doubt. No doubt. You know, again, he has the right attitude, right? You know, there's some things that he's still a kid on, you know, know, we're arguing about Madden ratings, but but he certainly has the right (laughs) mentality. (laughs) You know, he, he certainly has the right mentality. And again, He's not a guy that's out there wild and out and getting trouble in the street. What did you think of uh, Trayvon Diggs' game? Oh, I thought, listen, I, I've talked to all the cornerbacks. I thought they had a great game. I mean, that's one thing I was most impressed about. The people don't talk enough about how well the cornerbacks played, the secondary played, the tackling. You know, because one thing was Jamar Chase caught a slam, but he was a guy who kicked a slam and increased you in your 70. When, when he caught the ball, he went, he went down. Right. You know, because Chase is physical and, and the receivers are good. You know, and the only put touchdown they gave up was on a step, a 19 play drive in the fourth quarter when they were tired because you know, they'd been on the field for most of the second half because the offense did nothing. You know, and then they got right off the field on the next drive. You know, what a, what a great play by Trayvon Diggs, the most physical play he's had since he's been with the Cowboys. But yeah, Diggs, Anthony Brown, Jordan Lewis, those cornerbacks played a great game against a very quality Bengals receiving court. There's two names, one Dalton Schultz with the knee thing that we saw go down on Sunday, and then Jason Peters, who's been around for a couple of weeks now. What's the latest on those guys moving forward and, and when we may see them? Uh, like I said, Michael Gallup should play this week. I, I, I think that Dalton Schultz will be out, and you know, there's a question about Peters. And you know, Again, another good situation to have, especially you know, where we were week one. I mean, Tyler Smith has not been a problem. It's not like we got to get Peters in the lineup. I mean, even – you know, Barniak, you know, at, at left guard, is, they have not stood out as they holding his offense back. That's not why they, you know, the offense struggled or did, you know, in games one and games two. Those guys have been okay. You know, it's a good problem to have. Let's find a way. If, if, if Peters is ready, how do we get him in the lineup and 
get our best five out there because, you know, this is a 16 game or, you know, 16 more games, you know, or uh, 15 more games. So they play two, you know, it's, it's not okay. One, you know, it's not just about the Giants game or the following game. It's what's best for the Cowboys and long haul. You have the best offensive line out there. That's, is that Peters at left tackle and Tyler Smith at left guard or Tyler Smith at left tackle and Peters at left guard, you know, or, or keeping Farnick in there till McGovern comes back, you know, suddenly, you know, you, you have some strength and you have some experience. And, and if, if Peters is your top backup, your swing tackle, that's good too. How do you think that'll play out? Yeah, I, I don't know. I know. Peters, you know, we watched him practice today and he took snaps to guard and tackle, you know, and, and, and so I think that's something that the Cowboys are weighing and trying to see how it's going to play out. But, but, but you know, it's Tyler Smith, you know, if, if he's going to be your left guard, left tackle for the future, I would leave him there. We'll find out. We won't get to talk to you, of course, until Monday. What's your prediction? How do you see this game going in New York? Oh, gosh. I mean, I'm, I'm with Jared. Let's get a quarterback controversy. I got the Cowboys winning 23-20. All right, there it is. A Cowboys win. Man, that's going to be right on the number of that under-over, too. Hmm. Hmm. We, we got two other quick topics we have to address with Chill before he leaves. Okay. Uh, these, these are out-of-the-box bonus questions. One of them, <clears throat> before we get to the question of the day, has to do oh, with wow. Longhorns. How do you feel after the uh, the Alabama near win and then the taking care of business against a, a good UTSA game going into uh, your next game? Yeah, I was, I was very impressed with them taking care of business UTSA because that was a trap game. It's like, you know, you, you look good against against Alabama, and then you, you know, uh, you start reading your press clippers and thinking you're better than what you were, and, and you lose a game, especially when you have your two quarterbacks out. You, you know, you're not at your optimal best, but they the talent stone through, and they they took care of business. You know, you look at last year how well they played against Oklahoma last year, and they didn't carry it on. They continued to lose games, you know, and, and, and so you, you know, they lost Oklahoma in a close game, had a big lead. We're all disappointed, like, was if you can play with Oklahoma, it's going to be pretty good. But at the end of the day, they didn't make the playoff. I mean, make the postseason, you know. They continued to lose games, the teams they should be beating. So I, I was impressed because uh, last year they would have lost that game or had a chance to lose that game. And I think they should take care of business against Texas Tech. So, so yeah, the arrows are pointing up with those Longhorn and Sarkeith, and he looks like the offensive guy that that we expected him to be last year. Question number two is a two-parter. Number one, can you believe the Celtics coach cheated on Neil Long? And number two, can you believe he got a year suspension for it? Okay, number two, I, I have a problem with it. How do you get a year suspension for a consensual relationship with another adult? And, 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 I, and I guess it's because it must be a subordinate or everybody in the organization is a subordinate or is it, is it an owner's wife? I mean, I, I, I don't, I don't get the year suspension, but you know, Ron Washington had to quit his job over an affair. If you remember, so these things are happening, especially in today's day and age. And, and certainly the NFL is certainly being sensitive in you know, the NBA is certainly being sensitive to these issues. Uh, I don't know how you cheat on me along, but <laughs> we are reminded that, Beyonce got cheated on, Tyler Berry got cheated on, you know, it happened. I wouldn't be cheating on Neil Long. I wouldn't be cheating on Tyler Berry. Uh, you know. I wouldn't be cheating Jackie on Beyonce. O. You know, they 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 all got you. We're not shocked that that no matter how good you look, there's gonna be a man out there that's tired of your stuff. The reality so the got, look, still undefeated, the power of the P. Yeah, but <laughs> Let's get Ain't better, no, but. 
you're not getting better than me alone. You no, it doesn't matter. I mean, you're 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 in the wrong room in the wrong situation, and the P's there. I mean, it's just you. It's done. Hey man, I once yeah. had a really close friend of mine say, "If she smiled at me, I think she wanted to make love to." Me. <laughs> <laughs> First of all, don't be quoting me like that in public. Okay. No, I was gonna say, no, no, no wait. <laughs> didn't I just go out of my way to say a friend of mine? Yeah, he didn't say a name. <laughs> Nobody knew who it was. I, I thought maybe is it a guy who might come visit you at a nursing home? I don't know. My, my point was that, and that when you're out there meeting, my point was that it means she could have a chance to be interested, and so you you can make your move when you're trying to to date and, and meet people. That, that's what I was really talking about. You know, this okay. is not about infidelity and, and cheating on Nia Long. My God, not Nia. I've been you know salivating over Nia all my life. Yeah, maybe I got a chance. Maybe I got. Maybe Nick can smile at me. Now's the time. Now another friend of mine, <laughs> another friend of mine said about this situation today. Oh, I wouldn't take a year suspension. I sit down and be telling everybody who everybody in the organization is sleeping with. I'm not going down by myself. Oh, he, 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 he's certainly not alone. But he's the face of the franchise. The head coach. I mean, it's just crazy. You took him to the finals last year, and now you're suspending your coach for a year. Yeah, that seemed extreme. I, 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 need to see the, I need to see the details. That, that, that I think uh, BSO, Robert Latal, your high state buddy, said that's a collection of details that, 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 that may help you understand why they did a year. And it may have been more than one. Well, then, there you have it. Thanks for the update on the power of the P. <laughs> Clarence Hill Jr. All right, guys. Awesome. Thanks, Joe. Appreciate it, man. All right. There he is, Clarence Hill. Always good to talk to him, getting us the latest from, in. I mean, inside the star to the point where you guys didn't hear this point. He's walking around trying to find a place to chat with us, opens up a door somewhere in the star. He's like, hey, are y'all setting up for an event in here? And they're like, yeah. He goes, oh, okay. Well, y'all can keep doing that. <laughs> the very latest from Frisco and some interesting things, man. What a podcast that was. We appreciate you guys very much. Thanks for hanging. Continued for all the support, you guys. I, I think we mentioned, just before we wrap this up, la- the Monday after the first game was our highest downloaded podcast ever. Last Monday after the second game was our second highest downloaded podcast ever. And we just shot, so we, we not only set those records, but we also shattered our record for most downloads in a week. So that's a testament to all you guys man and thank you so much and continue retweeting and telling your friends about it and letting them know we exist because it is working and thank you very much appreciated thanks for listening to the jam session podcast make sure to find us on instagram at jam session cast of course you can also find us on twitter at mcmatt radio and at jjt underscore journalist Our podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you'll have time for healing and renewal. Give them a call at 972-934-8900. Greening Law, Office, Dallas, Texas. As always, thanks to Purple Elephant Music for the music you hear at the end and the beginning of each episode. He, of course, is the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. And me, I'm just a guy. Matt McLaren. We'll catch you next time right here on the Jam Session Podcast, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.